many times decide to start eating more healthily uh, tomorrow. Uh, I would say, you know, even that is probably a mistake. Okay? You should start eating healthily now. Okay? Mm-hmm. By the fact that you set your goal to start tomorrow, well, th- there is one problem, which is like that when we plan for our future self to do something, we often make some unrealistic plans. Okay? We often don't take like, uh, into account what motivates us, what's exciting for us, uh, which foods uh, uh, we like. Uh, and so, you know, if you think about the healthy food that you are willing to eat today or the unhealthy food that you are planning to give up on today, you have a better chance than if you think about next week. You know what I love about this podcast? I get to interview experts, people who have dedicated their lives to specific topics, who have spent countless hours, sometimes decades of research and analysis. When these experts come on the show, I get to ask them almost anything about what they've learned, pulling information aimed at helping all of us. You just heard from Eilat Fishback, author of Get It Done, Surprising Lessons from the Science and Motivation. Eilat is not only an author, but she is a PhD at the University of Chicago and past president of the Society for the Study of Motivation. She's dedicated a lot of her life to figuring out this science of motivation. In other words, she specializes in understanding what makes us tick. I thought this conversation was very timely as we're a few months into the year. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about 2022 in a different way. With the spring sun coming out, those in the central time zone know what I'm talking about. There's this new sense of energy and I'm feeling really ready to dial things in. I'm sure you're feeling very similar. In this conversation, you'll understand what kind of goals we're more apt to stick with how to get through the middle of something. As you know, the start and end of a goal are blissful, but the middle often sucks. And of course, strategies for motivation, which we all can use. I got a lot out of this interview as it helped illuminate a few new ideas for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. I'd love to hear your goals, of course, and what motivates you. But for now, let's jump in with Eilat. Welcome Eilat, it's great to be with you today. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me, Joe. Congratulations on on the book, Get It Done. It is filled with just amazing and incredible wisdom on goal setting, on what happens when we approach goals, how do we get through goals, and there's just like a ton of tips and uh, and insight that I want to dive deep into today. I am excited to talk about it. It, uh, you know, has been my life work to study motivation. So very, yeah. One thing that kind of jumps off the page to me is, and and I think that a lot of the audience can relate to and understand is we all have goals of something in our life. We put those goals on paper, we get excited about them, we start the process of uh, achieving those or, or trying to attain those goals by taking steps. But along the way, something happens and you, many of us, including myself, you, we lose motivation. I'm wondering... From your perspective, I know there's a lot of uh, information in the book about this. What's like the key thing there to keep yourself motivated to achieve a goal that you set out to do that you know is going to be a benefit to your life? Yes. So um, 
the keys is basically the you know, the, the framework that I discovered as I was uh, writing the book. And uh, as, as, as it turned out, uh, successful goals, the goals that we end up sticking with, uh, are goals that we we set right, that they are uh, intrinsically motivating, meaning there is benefit from pursuing it, not just from achieving it. Like it feels good, it feels right to do the thing. Uh, they are the, the goals that we can clearly monitor progress toward. Okay, so we can look back, we can look ahead, we can say, this is what I've already done, this is what I still uh, need to do. Uh, they are the goals that fit with everything else that is going on in our life. And, and many goals are being dropped because they, it just doesn't work for you anymore. It just doesn't work for you with your your new job, but with a change to, to your family. Uh, and, and so everything needs to fit together. And uh, and finally, it's the, the goals that the people around us uh, support, okay? that uh, they either help us or they encourage us. Okay? They, they want us to be successful. It's really uh, almost impossible to achieve anything if the, the people around you uh, think that this is not a good idea. They are not supportive. Okay? They are not encouraging. And uh, so uh, the, the social aspect is... Uh, I guess the, the last element in this four-element uh, uh, recipe. So would, would would it be fair to say that the f- the first goal, the the first part of this is making sure you create a goal that makes sense within your life and your your circumstances. Uh, yes, and uh, and it's often easier to set a goal that fits with your life than uh, to make sure that it still fits with your life as your life changes, right? So we might uh, you know, set a goal to uh, to exercise more, maybe to become a runner, okay? And it might work uh, at a certain age, at a certain place, at a certain like, situation with your family, and then you know you, you might take. Like, have a child, or that you are growing older, or that you uh, move to a sunny place where you can always run outside to uh, cold Chicago, and and the winter is brutal. Uh, and then you need to adjust, okay? and then then you need to like, see how uh, your goal can uh, change. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. So, when you are creating goals, one of the insights. That, that I read, which I thought made a lot of sense, is you got to be careful not to pick a goal that's a means to an end. Yeah. So it, can you expand on that before I dive deeper into that? Yes. Uh, so, no, we we don't like to uh, pay for parking. Okay, We often go around the block a few times before we, uh, we, we are willing to pay for the valet parking. Uh, we would hesitate to spend the same amount of money on just getting another drink uh, at the restaurant uh, when we are going there. Uh, we don't like to pay for shipping. Uh, we don't like to uh, uh, study for uh, prerequisite classes if we are uh, students. Uh, we are not excited about doing the thing that is a way that is a means, that is something that you need to do in order to do the, the real thing, okay, the thing that you really set your mind to uh, to do. Um, in uh, you know, an experiment that we uh, ran a few years ago with, with Franklin Shady at UCLA, uh, we found that when we asked students to uh, bid on, uh, on a book, uh, they were on average placing higher bids than when we asked them to bid on a tote bag 
that contained the same book. Now, the tote bag was a better deal because the tote bag came with a book, but they were willing to pay less because no one likes to pay for the, the bag that will carry the book or, or, or gift wrapping. Now, th this is just a small illustration of a, of a bigger point that when we set our goal thinking that our goal is to do something so that we can be eligible for something else, uh, this is uh, less motivating. Uh, setting your goal in uh, you know, saving for, uh, for a house is less motivating than setting your goal as, as getting a house. Okay? Uh, this is just you know, one of many examples of where when you, when you think about the positives, you are more motivated than when you think about the, the costs of getting there. Yeah, that makes sense. And to elaborate on that study, so there is there is uh, uh, an autograph book for sale, and that that book you allowed people to bid on that book, and yeah. then there was um, and then that the the average bid or the highest bid was around twenty three dollars, if I recall correctly, something around that. And then there is that same book was just placed in a bag. And so it was the same exact book signed and everything placed in a bag, but the value of that decreased by about 50% or, or a hundred percent. I mean, it was, it was substantially less. So yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Given that you gave the numbers, which I amazed that you remembered, uh, the, the value of that tote bag deal was $11 less than, yeah. uh, uh, than the book alone, which is like funny because in economics terms, what that means is that the value of the tote bag was negative. It was a negative eleven dollars. Right. Uh, in in other words, if you give people the tote bag, they are willing to pay eleven dollars less. <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. And if you if and that just proves proves the point that the f kind of fluff around the 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 end goal isn't as important. So then that brings me to kind of my next question then. How specific should should you be? I, I know some, some examples yeah. you, you've given are about um, running a marathon. So if I wanted to, to run a marathon, is is it um, not a good goal to say, I want to run, I just want to run Chicago Marathon? Or should I say something like, I want to run Chicago Chicago's Marathon in less than five hours? Like how, uh, how specific should yeah. you get? Yes. Uh, so with regard to the target, there are two ways to understand specific because there is the, the level of the goal. Like, do, do I want to be in a better shape uh, versus do I want to uh, run a marathon uh, versus do I, uh, you know, I want to exercise this morning? Okay. So they're like the levels of like how how concrete versus abstract you want to be, uh, where the, the answer is usually in the middle, that is uh, as abstract as you can before it becomes completely uh, disconnected from an activity that you might pursue. Uh, and then th there is a question of how specific the, the target that you put on a goal should be. And you know, the, the target is, is often a number. It's like the how much and, and how soon. The target is only there to motivate us, okay? Uh, it, it's often you know, if if you uh, set your goal to to run a marathon under five hours or to like walk ten thousand uh, steps a day, in terms of the benefits, it doesn't really matter whether you 
you finish the marathon in like four hours and 30 minutes or in five hours and, and five minutes or you know if you uh, walked 100 steps uh, uh, below uh, the 10,000 goals or above but in terms of the psychology of the person pursuing the goal anything below that target the how much and how soon feels like a loss and we are highly motivated to avoid these losses. And so like the, the targets have like this pooling force where you you really want to get to this number. Okay. It, it's the reason why people sometimes walk around their bedroom at night to get to their step count. It's, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> been there before i've done that i've done that yeah yeah you know we, we've all been there right like we set a target and we really want to to make it to that particular uh, number uh, marathon runners and you know there is a lot of research on marathon runners although uh, uh, most of us me included will never run a marathon uh, but <laughs> nevertheless the, like if you look at the distribution of marathon times there are more people that are finishing marathon just below around hours, just below four hours than just above, or just below five hours than just above. And, and, and the reason is that they are highly motivated to uh, get it below their target, okay? get it uh, uh, just right. They are sprinting the, you know, the last mile. Uh, you also stated that you know, once you hit that mark, you're not really motivated to go much past it. And I could I could relate to that that if um, I work out on a daily basis and uh, uh, if I have to do a certain set of reps, I want to know what those are. Like I I need a target. I can't just do as many as I can. Like I need to shoot for something. But once I get beyond that, I'm not as motivated to, to keep going. So I got to be careful to not uh, make my goal very easy, but I also can't make it too hard where I feel discouraged as well. Yes, Joe, and th this is a very important point because here's the thing, like we set these targets, we put these numbers in order to motivate ourselves. And ideally, they are not easy to achieve. Like I often think about it as setting a target that you have like 80% chance of achieving or that you will achieve it 80% of the times that, that you try, 80% uh, of, of the days. The, the issue with that is that uh, you might get frustrated when you don't achieve the goal or when you don't have a chance, when you don't achieve the target, again, not the goal, the target, and just give up, okay? So, you know, if your daily exercise involves like a one hour of, of doing something, and on a certain day you don't have that hour, uh, the, the risk is that you just say, well, oh, well, that day is ruined. Okay? No point taking a stroll around the pond because this day is ruined. And, and <laughs> we, we need to have healthier relationship with our target. It's okay not to meet your target. You should still be pursuing the goal. The target is just a tool. It, it's not really what you are trying to achieve. So when, when I think about that, though, how do you find that balance? So let's let's give a realistic example. I am going to run the London Marathon this year in October. And the last time I ran a marathon, my time was like six hours. But but I know that, you know, this was many years ago. I know I, I, I could do better there. Do I look at like my current pace, what I think I could do and just set a goal that's a little bit that's a little bit aggressive or like what's that balance there and as we as we think about really any goal in life how do you make it not 
so hard to to attain but not make it easy as well yeah you said it such that it's uh it's a little bit aggressive okay it's hard okay it's uh, not something that you know you can do right now uh, you hope that you will do that okay so you had six hours before you hope maybe you can get to to five hours it it, it might be ambitious uh, for you and uh, if uh, if that doesn't work, uh, then you uh, uh, forgive yourself and, uh, and and feel proud about what you achieved. Okay? And so it, it's really what research finds is that when we are about to do something that's difficult but not impossible, there is like this energiz- energization. Okay, like there, there is this like increase in uh, uh, excitement. Uh, you see it on some physiological measures, like uh, you know, in- increase in, in your pulse. Uh, uh, you see it on psychological measures. People say that they are excited, but it needs to be difficult, not easy, not impossible. Okay, so when people were like preparing for an impossible task. Uh, one of the studies that come to my mind is, is a study where uh, it's an old study where people were trying to uh, uh, get a, an electric shock. We don't do it anymore, but you know that was in the very old days. Uh, and if they they know that they can very easily avoid it, they just need to move a toggle, then they they are not excited. Okay? They, you don't see the, this energy coming up. If they know that it's impossible, then they just say, ah, they're also not very nervous or, or excited. If there is something hard that they need to do, which if they like press this level very like hard, they, they can do it, this is when they are mostly energized. This is when they are prepared for the task. They are uh, excited. So in our daily life, the trick is to set the target such that it will be hard. It will be exciting. We don't know if we can do that. And then if it doesn't work, we uh, we try again another day. Uh, maybe we adjust the target and, and just have a healthier relationship with, with our goals. I, I think that's really the problem is when we give up because we didn't meet uh, some target. And like that, that doesn't make sense giving. The target was only a tool. It was never the, the goal itself. That, that makes a lot of sense. So what I'm about to ask you now, I feel like it applies to a lot of people. Let's just say that you are feeling crummy, you're feeling overweight, you're eating poorly, you're, you might be drinking, you're just, you're, you're on a, you're on a path to not having a healthy lifestyle. And in your mind, you're like, you know what, I'm going to go all out the rest of this week. Monday, I'm starting my goal. And you get this dopamine rush because it because you think about Monday and you're like, yeah, I can kind of do whatever I want for the next few days because Monday it's starting. Monday my diet's starting, and Sunday you're you're even excited. You're like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat that last piece of piece of pizza, knowing that tomorrow I'm gonna start anew. But then that Monday comes, you maybe you might get through Monday still feeling excited, but then Tuesday feels very difficult. Um, I'm sure the audience yeah. can can uh, relate to this in some way. If it's not, if it's not a, a diet; it's something else. One is: Do you find that's pretty common? And then, secondly, how do you get through that that initial starting phase? Yeah, uh, th- this is a no, a, definitely a familiar situation. Uh, we uh, 
many times decide to start eating more healthily uh, tomorrow. Uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, even that is probably a mistake. Okay? You should start eating healthily now. Okay, mm -hmm. by the fact that you set your goal to start tomorrow, well. There is one problem, which is like that when we plan for our future self to do something, we often make some unrealistic plans. Okay, we often don't take like into account what motivates us, what's exciting for us, uh, which foods uh, we like, uh, and so. Now, if you think about the healthy food that you are willing to eat today, or the unhealthy food that you are planning to give up on today you have a better chance than if you think about next week. Okay, uh, Research uh, in psychology often refers to this as the empathy gap. And the idea that we, we don't have empathy to other people, including our future selves, as much as we have empathy for our current self. Okay, And so it's, it's the reason why we might plan to drive too many hours when we are very awake in the morning and we don't realize that we'll get tired. It's the reason why we might not pack a, a warm coat when we are traveling somewhere cold in, in the middle of summer. Okay, Because, you know, I, I'm warm now, but I, I, I can't quite imagine that it's going to be cold there. Uh, and it's the, uh, the reason that... Uh, we often plan to eat food that we will not enjoy, you will not like when it's set in the future. Okay, so so start now. Okay, like have uh, uh, your healthy goal starting now. Uh, then the other problem with uh, like this mindset of uh, I'll start my uh, diet uh, tomorrow is that it uh, ignores the fact that we eat food because we. Enjoy the taste of food. Okay, the, the idea about eating is is getting pleasure uh, in your life, and so your your healthy food has to be tasty. Okay, and now we we've done a lot of research on this health taste conflict and how in our uh, modern culture we uh, concluded that these are conflicting goals. They were not conflicting goals in in history or in other cultures. Um, like. This is just a mindset that we need to educate ourselves to, to get beyond that and find a healthy food that is tasty for us. Okay, understand that food is a pleasurable experience and it's totally okay to eat a healthy food that uh, uh, that you like. So, in, you know, uh, um, uh, just plan your diet so that you enjoy it. Okay, like think about the berries that you love and not uh, uh, the dry stick celeries unless you love celery. No, I, I love that. And I think that's gold what you said about thinking about your future self and that empathy gap because that's so, that's so true. It's like you're, you, you're thinking about your future self as if it's going to be a different human that exists today. And you're like, Hey, my future self on Monday is just going to be this, different person that's motivated in a, in a different way. And the, the reality is like, just don't eat that piece. It's just, you know, if, if, if you're going to consume a, uh, if you want pizza, eat maybe a piece and not the whole thing. Right. <laughs> like, like, so get a taste of it because that's the reality of your future self too. Like you're not just going to stop unliking something. Brings up my next question regarding uh, do goals over don't goals. So, can you explain the difference between a do goal and a don't goal? 
Yeah, a do goal is an approach goal. It's something that you want to achieve. A do not goal is an avoidance goal. It's something that you want to uh, avoid. Uh, do goals are usually more exciting, are better. You can persist with them over time. Uh, back in uh, uh, the 90s, the psychologist Dan Wagner asked people not to think about white bears. Okay, now as soon as I ask you not to think about white bears, there is nothing you can think about other than a white bear, right? Like you can see that bear in front of you. Uh, and, and, you know, this is just a, a nice demonstration of why uh, do not goals are, are often difficult. Like, how do you know that you are successful at not thinking about your ex? Well, you ask yourself, am I thinking about my ex? And by that, you bring that thought to mind. How, how do you know that you are successful at like, uh, quitting smoking? Okay, you ask yourself, like, uh, have I been smoking? And, and now you are thinking about smoking. And like, do not goals have this tendency that they bring to mind the thing that you are trying to avoid, which makes it harder. The other problem with do not goals is that we often react. Okay? Like we, uh, we want to do something because we are not allowed to, even if we are the, no, we, we are the person that said that we are not allowed to do that. So for, for many uh, uh, people who go on a diet, like as, as soon as they tell themselves, I should not eat something, it's exactly the thing that they want to eat. Okay? You, uh, you mentioned that not eating pizza. Like, and I loved your example. Like it, eat a small portion of pizza because if your goal is not to eat pizzas, then you really want to eat pizzas just because you set that uh, goal. Uh, the advantage of do not goals, of avoidance goal, is that they seem urgent. Okay, so people respond more quickly. Uh, if I tell you that you should uh, not eat something, you will probably conclude that you should not eat it starting from today. If I say that you should eat something, you realize that maybe that's something that would be nice to include in your diet this week or this month. Okay, you, you don't think that this food has to necessarily be part of your uh, uh, diet uh, starting at this moment. So... Avoidance goals seem urgent, but less stamina, okay? So they are good for, you know, uh, uh, something that you need to do like once, okay? Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting a medical checkup, uh, uh, taking care of yourself, uh, you know, uh, in, in a single instance. Uh, but it, it's not the way to, to go in the long run. Yeah, I, th I think that makes sense. And I'm sure people have relatives or even yourself, if you had a heart attack or heart condition, the doctors will say immediately, like, here's what you should avoid right away. And you should start a healthy diet, including these things. And to your point, you're going to, you're going to immediately stop yeah. um, the things that the doctor is recommending. You're going to start the other things, but you may not start them as fast, but you're going to immediately stop the others. But that the things you stop can slowly, at least I've seen people, they slowly creep back into your life over time. Exactly, because when a doctor tells you that you should avoid red meat, you immediately avoid red meat. <laughs> but then a month later, it, it's it's really hard to do. And uh, what the advice should have been is uh, uh, develop a new diet, okay? develop a uh, uh, new taste for foods that maybe you are unfamiliar with, that you don't know can be cooked in an amazing way, uh, develop. 
these tastes, uh, find these uh, uh, cuisines, uh, discover these uh, uh, dishes. The, the, the advice to just like take meat out of your diet, take salt out of your diet, it's, it's just, you know, it's miserable, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, I can do it for a week, but then what? Right. So that's not what I would advise. And by the way, I, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> Uh, so I took many uh, items uh, uh, out of my menu, uh, but it was part of uh, adding uh, uh, new items that are delicious and exciting. I, I love eating. I enjoy food. Yeah, I was going to say then. So how, how do you get over that? If that, you know, if you really know, let's just say you find out you have celiac disease and you should not eat gluten anymore and you're just used to it, like given the example of pizza and bread and carbs and pasta and all the stuff that tastes so good to most people, how, how do you do that if you truly can't do it? So here's the good news about our species. We are variety seekers, okay? We are not uh, uh, panda bears that, you know, only eat bamboo shots, okay? We like yeah. new cuisine. We are excited about a new restaurant with a new cuisine because we are just like the... Uh, the variety. And so every time when you try to take something out of uh, your menu, okay, you let's say no longer uh, eat bread or, or gluten, which is hard. Okay, this is actually one of the, the hardest. I'm sure that there is a world of foods that you will discover that you don't know that exist, or that you even you don't know can be so delicious. It's just like getting out of the mindset that I am now going to make eating miserable into the mindset that food has to be exciting. So what what is going to be exciting for me? Okay? What is the food that's going to uh, make me enjoy dinner with the family? And I, I mentioned the family because beyond being just like a physiological pleasant experience, food is how we connect to other people. Okay, food in our history has been a mechanism of uh, connecting people. Uh, food traditions is uh, like how, how social groups define themselves. Uh, uh, no kosher food is, is meant to uh, uh, bring Jewish people uh, together uh, just as much as uh, like uh, Indian food is, uh, is how uh, uh, Indian people uh, meet and, uh, and, and enjoy uh, uh, each other. Uh, we found, and this is research with uh, uh, Caitlin Woolley at Cornell, that uh, uh, people who eat the same food, they better communicate. They are faster to reach a negotiation agreement. They can better work as business partners. In another uh, research with uh, uh, Caitlin, we, we found that people with food restrictions often report loneliness. Okay, so the, there is a correlation between having any food restriction, you mentioned uh, uh, gluten sensitivity or, or you know, or uh, uh, any other restriction and loneliness. And you can attribute that to the fact that they cannot share the meal, that they cannot eat with other people. Uh, and, and so food is a mechanism of social connection. We, we cannot just tell people, stop eating. <laughs> we need to shift eating into healthy and tasty food yeah i know that that makes uh that makes a lot of sense uh let's 
switch over to understanding intrinsic motivation because um, I have a, I have a kind of a quick story and, and anecdote. When I was uh, created a digital marketing company and a software company back in 2011, and one day I'm next to my wife, she's watching TV, and I'm on the, the computer, like learning how to code and, and program, and she turns to me and she goes, why are you always working? And I, my first response is, this is what I do for fun. Like I was having a lot of fun doing it and learning and building something and pressing publish and pushing code to a server and seeing it come come to life. And she was next to me watching TV and she was having fun, really made me realize that this was my passion. Like I, I was very intrinsically motivated by what I was doing and I was lucky enough to build a career around it. And when I read about making sure that you look at intrinsic motivation and that's going to sustain long-term goals, it, it really resonated with me. So I, I didn't know if you had any reaction to that comment or if, if you've seen that. I, I love that story, Joe. I think that, uh, you know, everyone that has a job that they that they love, okay, can resonate with your uh, story when they'll ask you, like, why, why do you work? Like, it's already, like, you've already worked enough hours uh, uh, this week or, or, or this day. Uh, what's wrong with you? And and you're thinking, well, like, there is nothing that I want to do more than this right now. I'm super excited about it. And then we have the people that can't get... Uh, uh, no, the, the the date uh, the work day to end fast enough and um, and 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 they really need to find the, the job that is intrinsically uh, motivating they really need to increase their intrinsic motivation in what they do because if you are stuck in a, in a job or you know any other activity that is not intrinsically motivating it does feel like a torture Okay, it is very hard. And, and so let's define intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is the motivation that you have when you get the reward immediately. Like doing the activity is the reward for doing the activity. Okay, that doing the activity feels right as you do it. And we often compare this to extrinsic motivation, which is uh, the pursuit of delayed rewards. Okay, so they're doing something because it will pay off in uh, uh, the future. Okay, we often set goals because they will pay off in the future. Okay, because we are extrinsically motivated. Okay, no one sets their their goal as uh, uh, eating more ice cream. Okay, we uh, set a goal to uh, uh, eat healthier food because we think about long term benefits. Okay, we uh, set a goal to. Uh, uh, go to school and uh, and learn a new profession uh, because we uh, we have the, the long-term goal of uh, getting a job uh, uh, there. However, what predicts how much people persist on their goal is usually the intrinsic motivation more than the, the rewards by the end of the, the road. Uh, and, and one way to, to see that is with New Year's resolutions that when we follow people over a year after they set a new year resolution, those that persist are those that enjoy what they are doing. Okay, so even though no one is setting a new year resolution because they are intrinsically motivated, motivated, the extent to which they are intrinsically motivated, the extension that feels right, predicts whether they will still 
do it in March and like June and and then uh, in November. Uh, we we talked before about healthy food. The same thing like people that uh, eat healthily are are the people that are intrinsically motivated to prepare and to enjoy a food that is is healthy. Extrinsic motivation is not a great predictor of uh, following through. Yeah, that that makes that makes a lot of sense, and it's it's really interesting because of the uh, great resignation. You see a lot of people changing jobs and moving to, to different careers. And some of that is, some of that is, I think, um, based on maybe burnout, but some of it is also based on compensation. So they're looking at higher salary immediately thinking a job's going to be more satisfying to them. And then they end up leaving and then they find out they regretted that decision um, later on because they, they don't have all the other, components that they had in their other job, like the personal enjoyment, the social interactions, the the feeling that you're with people you really like. And it just wonder if you're seeing more of that recently, given the state of the economy. Y- yes, uh, the great resignation is fascinating because in, in a way, uh, we all had uh, the opportunity to, uh, I mean, most of us had the opportunity to just step out of our life, you know, just get off the treadmill look at what you're doing. Do you want to continue doing that? And many people said, not really. (laughs) I'm not excited about this job. I don't want to go back to this office. Uh, And and this is really interesting. And I'm kind of curious to see uh, what people uh, choose to do and and whether they really uh, make better choices uh, because they had to go home and, and, and rethink uh, their lives. So I'm optimistic. I think that for many people, this is happening. They are uh, choosing better jobs, uh, jobs that better fit their, their interests, their, their skill set. And also what you mentioned, again, a lot of the intrinsic motivation is not necessarily from the job as much as from the, the context in which I'm doing my job. Okay? Like, do I like my colleagues there? Is this a fun place to go to? Is that, does this feel friendly and, and, and nice? Okay. Uh, one of the ways to increase intrinsic motivation into both doing work and, and studying is by playing music. Like the, the, also exercising, of course, mm-hmm. right? Many of us uh, play music or listen to podcasts while we exercise. It, it's an external stimulus that we added to the activity, but now it, it's more pleasant and, and fun and so uh, hopefully people are going to find jobs that have this uh, uh, like social aspect that are more interesting that better fit their interests one thing to note is that intrinsic motivation while it is the, the immediate rewards from pursuing something often doesn't happen immediately okay often you need some practice mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that you are you are preparing to run a marathon. When someone who hasn't been running for for some time starts running, they they don't enjoy. It, okay, it doesn't feel good. It feels painful. Okay, uh, when I still don't uh, really enjoy it, uh, and I've ran up. Oh, right, so like yeah. it's still like you know you you need to uh, learn to enjoy it. Okay, uh, you know, and, and like you know, like studying uh, something new. Like you, you need to get into it. Like uh, we uh, did research with uh, uh, stand up uh, and, uh, and and in improvisation, and we found that uh, 
when people learn improvisation, uh, they, they often feel embarrassed when they start. And in a way, if you, if you are comfortable with feeling uncomfortable, <laughs> if you uh, embrace the discomfort as, uh, as a temporary stage that you're going to, to go through, that you seek this discomfort as, as a sign that, okay, I'm doing something new that, that is really, like, I, I'm learning... Uh, then you have a better chance to get to the next phase where it, it feels right, where you just enjoy doing improvisation. Yeah, no, that that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, to kind of sum up what we've been talking about so far is to, when you think about a goal, think about something that is going to potentially intrinsically motivate you, even even though you know it, it could be difficult. Be fairly specific um, shoot for something that is, is a little bit hard to attain, but not impossible. Yeah. Right. And then, um, really focus on do goals if you can versus don't goals. I think that's important. So it's instead of saying like, Oh, I'm not going to eat uh pizza. It's, uh, yeah, I may eat pizza, but I'm going to eat a piece instead of a whole pizza today. And I'm going to combine that with the salad and that gets your mind around it. And if I'm wrong in any of this, please, please uh, stop me. I'm, I, I know and I'm going fast and paraphrasing a lot of great content. Um, but then once we, once we kind of start something then, so, so we have our goal, we're going after it. And I'll just give another example from my life. A few years back, I did this uh, 75 day challenge. It was called 75 hard and it had 10 different, com- 10 or so different components to it. Can't drink for 75 days, have to have, a healthy diet. If you do two work two workouts a day, one has to be outside. Um, have to read ten pages in a book a day, and there's there's a few other components as well. Drinking a gallon of water, and what happens is um, you start that. You see an end in sight because it's seventy five days, and uh, in seventy five days, like is one of these these tricky things that it sounds easy, but then when you start doing it, you're like, yeah, seventy five days is a pretty far way out. So, so you started, you get going and I, and I finished it accomplishing all, all of those things, but along the way it became difficult, especially in day 50. And we alluded to this, the, the kind of middles of, of the goals you're trying to attain, but what, what are some things that people can do, um, that are on the path that are dedicated, that are doing things that, that, you know, may not, fall into the perfect way of creating goals. You know, they're stopping a lot of things. They're not really thinking about their future self, like in a realistic way, but they're on a good path and you want to, you want to get through that 75 days. Give us some tips for this that. This is, uh, this is an ambitious uh, goal, Joe. Uh, most of us have less mm-hmm. ambitious goals. I'd say most of us, uh, our goals are just like one of the things that you put in the 75 days. Okay? Maybe just read 10 pages a day okay? or uh, exercise uh, uh, daily. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we, we set our goal to do it for 75 days. Of course, 75 days is, is a target, right? Like you, you want to continue doing everything that's good for you after that, but you, you have this period. Um, now, uh, we see that as you make progress, you are more motivated. Okay? Like, uh, you're probably not going to quit this goal on day 74. Okay? No one will. 
okay? Uh, it's like, uh, you know, uh, in, in uh, loyalty uh, uh, programs. Uh, and no one is uh, quitting the program when they're just like one purchase away from their reward. Students don't quit school when they're like one class away from uh, graduation. So with progress, there is a, a greater motivation. Uh, but how we monitor progress matters, okay? And at the beginning, up to the, the midpoint, it's better to look back and see what you have accomplished. After the midpoint, it's better to look ahead and see what's uh, uh, still missing. Uh, and, and so uh, let's, let's make it 70 days because it's easier. Uh, up until day 35, it's better to look back and say, well, I did one day, I did two days, I already did a week, I already did like two weeks. After this uh, a bit over a month, uh, look ahead and say, well, I still have like that many weeks, or that many days uh, uh, until I completed. Uh, wh why is that? What's going on is that at the beginning of the goal, the, the, the effect of one day of doing what you're supposed to do will appear larger if you compare it to what uh, you've already done. Like, you know, your, your first day, you did 100% of your progress. Uh, your, your second day, you've now doubled your progress. Okay, so it feels like the second day did a lot. The third day, they, you know, and again, added the third uh, if you look ahead and you say on the first day, I still have 75 days. On the second day, I still have 74 days and like 73 days. It feels like a, a drop in the bucket. It feels like your actions are meaningless. And, you know, you, you mentioned the middle problem. Part of what causes this decline in motivation in the middle is that your actions feel like they have so little impact. Okay, it's like, you know, I've, no, I've, I've been working on this project. Like I have work projects that are really long. Okay? They can easily take like a couple of years. And I feel like I've been doing this for a year. I probably still have another year of working on that. What I do today is, is like so little and has so little impact on, on the overall goal. And, and, like, and, and this is hard. And so we really direct our attention to what we have accomplished versus yet to accomplish so that our actions never seem like a drop in the back. It never seem meaningless, which is a huge risk for uh, motivation when you, you just don't feel that you are moving the, the needle. I know. I, I, I can, you know, I, I feel like that when I train for something often, too, if it's a, it's a, a big feat, it's these... But it's the little things in life that actually do make up that the biggest difference. You know, it's the it's those little steps that you take over time, and uh, and I think you know one of the things I've heard people say before is people overestimate what you can do in the short term and underestimate what you can do in the long term. I think that's that's very true um, with anything. I like that. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, the other thing that that I know you talk about is like breaking the goals down into smaller and uh, simpler mm -hmm. goals in a shorter time period. So maybe the 75 days, although that might be the long term, maybe you break that down into a week and uh, or or start there. And so for the people that can't that feel like it's so overwhelming, they're not even going to start say, you know, I'm going to do this for 7.5 days. I'm going to do it for 10 percent. And I'm going to knock this out and see how I feel. Is that a smart way to approach things? 
yes, and and the reason is that you are trying to avoid these long middles, mm-hmm. okay? And so uh, if you think about your, the, you know, you, you want to exercise like in your life, okay? You want to exercise your entire life, but uh, well, you need to break it into like what is your weekly exercise goal, okay? What is your daily exercise goal? Uh, if my weekly exercise goal is to, let's say exercise four times this week, then you know th- there is less of a middle, okay? They, between the, the first and, and the last day of the week. Uh, if I set it as a, an annual goal, then there is a very long middle uh, saving. Okay? That it, it's better to set a, a monthly or an annual saving goal than a lifetime saving goal. Like saving for retirement is really hard because it's just like one long middle okay like you start at some age and then you have uh, uh, so many years before you uh, uh, finish uh, uh, saving uh, really long-term goals go against our uh, human nature to care about the present i wouldn't even say our animal nature because we have it in common with all animals that we we care about short-term benefits we care about what's happening right now uh, much more in the far future, which makes it a challenge to plan for the future. And so your uh, short-term goals will help you with the middle problem. There is less of a middle. And also you can uh, you can see this future. Like it, it, it's not too far away. Okay? It, it's coming. It's around the corner. So speaking of that, though, regardless of what you're doing, you're, you need to build a little bit of patience. And I see that more and more yes. with... Young, the younger generation is that you know my kids who are ten and twelve, like they they get instant dopamine effects anytime that they want it, right? And and my son will be in the car and and he'll want his iPad or want a device, and I said, why don't you just daydream? Like look out the window, like and you know it's like such a surreal concept to them. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to do that. So I think the patience is going to decline for results and satisfaction um, in life just because of the nature of technology and the devices we're surrounding by we, we can get any feeling that we want very quickly now what what are your thoughts on giving people advice to build patience for a goal that's going to really help them yeah I uh, I strongly encourage you to uh, uh, encourage your children to daydream okay. right? to uh, uh, to just be there, to just wait uh, uh, for something. Uh, patience is, uh, you know, it, it's difficult. Okay? It's hard uh, uh, to wait. Uh, uh, but not only good things come to those weights, so not only we need patience in order to, to get uh, certain long-term rewards, also when we wait, we value what we are waiting for uh, more. And, uh, you know, every uh, uh, restaurant uh, uh, owner knows that like, you, you want people to wait a little bit for the food so that they enjoy it more. Okay? Like if I immediately give you what you ordered, if you didn't build the anticipation, you didn't wait for it, you are less excited uh, having it. Uh, people who design uh, uh, lines, uh, uh, well, they don't want people to wait too much in line, but they want to have a line because they understand that when you are waiting for something, you think that it's better, okay? You enjoy it more. When you invest resources and waiting is, is a resource, uh, we like it more. And so amusement parks, they 
you know, they don't want you to just go there and immediately like get on the ride. They they want you to wait a little bit so you know that you're excited. You build anticipation. Uh, in our own lives, when we wait for something, we enjoy it more. Uh, when we uh, make a plan to do something on the weekend and it's now uh, a Monday and we have a few days to wait, mm-hmm. we will enjoy it more. And so you you both get the better results because often the better things are for those who waited and you enjoyed more than what you would have enjoyed if it would just like serve to you uh, the moment you asked for it. And so, uh, yes, we uh, need to be uh, uh, patient and uh, yes, uh, the world is not helping us with it. Technology is not uh, helping us build patience. On a, on a side note, uh, a bit off topic, it's like some, sometimes too, when you think about the future, it's, it's often the vision or the feeling about the future, like this weekend I'm going to do X, whatever that is. That feeling of like dopamine, the dopamine rush of thinking about that is often better than the reality of the thing that I'm going to do. Like vacation is a great example, right? You're, you're, you have this vision, like I'm going to go to Hawaii with the kids and we're going to have fun on the beach. And then the reality of it is you're in the airport, um, you know, everything's very chaotic trying to get the kids through and then you're there and then, you know what I mean? Like things come up and, uh, and and I think that's important to to realize too, is that you're, uh, that to visualize your future self or to where you're going to be is often as powerful or more powerful than, than the reality of it. Yeah. And I would say with this regard, I, I am not a fan of surprise vacations, like surprise your kids with taking them to Disney World. I think that a big part of of consuming these vacations is the, the months of anticipating and thinking about it and, and like daydreaming how it will feel like to, to be there and, and do that. And like the, you know, the time that I'm in Paris or, or London and like how amazing that is going to be is, is part of the experience. So allow yourself to um to indulge in uh, you know savoring this uh, upcoming experiences uh, there there are some studies that look at uh, you know consumption of uh, of expensive wine and when people buy an expensive bottle of wine they don't want to drink it they want to own it for a while okay they want to have this image of the right moment okay, when I'm finally going to open this expensive bottle. And a lot of the, the pleasure comes from imagining how it would feel on uh, that day. Okay, I, I will, uh, let's say, wait for you, your birthday that might be like in three months away and, uh, and have like this fantasizing of how wonderful it will be for the two of us to, to get together and open this special bottle of wine. Yeah, that that makes that makes a ton of sense. So, would you say that that's really important as we start our journey on creating goals and getting ourselves motivated is to visualize the future self, um, think about the smart goals, making them attainable. Yeah. That's all part of it, right? Uh, yes. Now, uh, for goals where we need to exert effort. Okay. Uh, just beware that thinking about the future is uh, is more in terms of planning and, and less in terms of fantasizing. So th- there is the risk when I say think about the future that you might 
They're like, Joe, you, you might like fantasize yourself running the marathon under uh, four hours uh, and just having the fantasy, that's not going to uh, get you uh, into your gym shoes and out of the door. Right. Okay, it's, it's having a plan to run yeah. the marathon that, uh, uh, that's going to get you there. So yes, think about the future. Think about the, the desired end state. More as, as planning, more as thinking how exactly I'm going to do that. Uh, less of uh, uh, fantasy. The uh, Gabriel Ottingen at NYU has some nice studies of how, like, when people fantasize themselves having like the perfect body or uh, you know uh, getting the perfect job, uh, that doesn't make them eat healthier food or apply for jobs. It's when they have a plan that they uh, do what they need to do. But they think of the future in terms of planning. So the the last thing before we wrap, I want to get to is the importance of uh, having a social group or a partner to help you stay motivated and what you found with regards to that. And quickly before you jump into that, I've found, and I've talked a lot on this podcast, that my wife and I work out daily together. Um, we're fortunate enough to have a trainer that, that helps us because we know our weak point is just knocking the being consistent and knocking the workout out early in the morning okay. because the day seems to get away. So we know that we know that works for us and we've been doing it for years now. It's been five years and we've been consistently doing it together. And I can tell you that just knowing that she's getting up motivates me to get up and probably vice versa at, at, at some points. And it's been, it's been a game changer. So when I talk to people that want to um, get healthier, want to start working out. One of the first things I say is like, can you, would, would your spouse do it? Or can you find a partner that you can do that workout with? And wondering from your perspective, how key is that? Uh, it is a key. And I, I, I love your story. Uh, I also exercise uh, in the morning. Uh, usually my husband is also exercising uh, there uh, with me. Uh, in general, there are two ways in which other people are supporting uh, our goals. At first, they can help us. Okay, so like you might be uh, have take take some uh, project at work because you know that uh, your partner is going to take care of the kids. Okay, so the, we might be saving together for something. So we are often doing things with other people. I might you know even say that like the big things that we achieve in life. Usually we do it with other people, like starting a company or you know, a family or like doing something in society. But for our personal goals, we also need others. And we need others because we are social animals. We look at others and we look at what they value and we look at what they care for. And it influences us in, in ways that, that we cannot even imagine. Okay? Uh, if you uh, uh, were in the, in the, with other people who would think that they, this morning exercise is foolish, great, like, well, Joe has like this weird thing, like to exercise in the morning, that would have made it really hard. It's really hard to be the, uh, the oddball, okay, the, the one that does something that people around you don't appreciate. Uh, you know, when I ask my my students, they're mostly uh, MBA students, about the, the people around them, they almost always say, oh, my parents are so proud of me, like they, they so much, they want me to be successful. And 
No, this is not like like your wife. Okay, the, the parents are usually not MBA students, so often not even like business people, but they want their kids to pursue this goal. Okay, they they are people that are out here in, in as students know that their family wants them to, to do that. And just knowing that it's a, a, a huge support and it, it makes it really hard to do something when the people around you don't think that's good. One more thing that I will say about it, it often matters more what the people around you think about your goals than what they, than what they actually do. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, even if your uh, partner uh, didn't exercise in the morning, okay, let's say that her routine was to, to, to exercise in, in the evenings, just the fact that she wants you to do that uh, matters uh, uh, more than uh, whether uh, she does it herself. Yeah, no, that that makes that makes a ton of sense, and it it feels also powerful to be in a community around like-minded people that that have the kind of the same belief system that yeah. for a healthier lifestyle. And here's something where technology is actually very helpful, right? So we, uh, we criticize technology for patients, but it's actually really helpful uh, in uh, getting people to find the, the people that will support their goals. The folks that are listening to this, what's the, what's the best way for them to, you covered a lot, but out of everything that we covered, what what do you think the few key takeaways are that they can listen to this and kind of get started today? As, aside from reading your amazing book, Get It Done, which yeah. I highly recommend. It's, we talked about a, a lot of the key points, but there's so much more. I mean, we just scratched the surface yeah. of, of things. So just uh, just curious your thoughts. Uh, I, I covered a lot. You covered a lot. You you asked so many great questions. <laughs> so thank thank you for that. And uh, and you know if I had to uh, suggest just one thing, I would say that you change your situation. So don't change your personality. Don't try. You, you will probably fail. Okay, change your situation. Okay, when you want to influence someone else, you change their situation. Uh, you nudge them. Okay, uh, when to you want to influence yourself, just uh, 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 change the things around you. Okay, like uh, find the person who's supportive, find the the healthy food that's tasty. Okay, uh, uh, set uh, uh, the alarm clock at the hour that you want to get up. You're probably already doing it. This is changing the situation. You don't tell yourself, "Oh, I'm going to be the person who wakes up at." 6 a.m. You just put an alarm clock, and uh, uh, just it's really like think about behavioral change in terms of changing what's around you so that it is easier to uh, stick with your goals. Fantastic. Well, I let thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I'm gonna link your book and the show notes in this podcast. I'll make sure I share it with you and your audience. But it was, it was a pleasure to get to know you in person, and congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. I hope that many people read uh, Get It Done and stay in touch with me and, and go on my website, ayletfishback.com, and uh, let's stay in touch. Good luck with your marathon. Thank you for tuning in to the Not Almost There podcast. It is so great to have you again. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do. That is such a great way to support the show. Also, another great way is to share this content with someone. Undoubtedly, there's someone out there that can 
get something out of these podcasts and you sharing them being an ambassador means more to us than anything. Also, your feedback is always welcome. So please leave it either in a review or on our website and not almost third.com. Thank you again for being here and we look forward to an amazing year ahead. Have a great and awesome productive week.